This reading is from the NIV 2011 translation of the Bible, and it's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 to 26. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught, and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one, and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. I hope you're doing okay. Lockdown's a little bit harder in the rain, isn't it? Slightly tougher week. I think uh, they will get a bit tougher as the uh, the weeks rumble on. Still, Boris has had a baby. Uh, so that's... Uh, this week's good news story, I think, sort of, maybe. Um, however many children that is. Uh, but here's what we need. Here's what we need. Isaiah chapter 40. It is very wonderful. Let me leave us in prayer as we begin. A great God and Father, there is no one like you. Whom can we compare you to? No one. And you're our God. And that is so very wonderful. Would we trust you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some talk of the Premier League coming back, but obviously no live sport at the moment. And so they fill the schedules with what they can. Lots of who's the greatest uh, match of the day, greatest striker, defender, uh, etc. What's the greatest thing that went wrong, I think, was last week. Who's the greatest sportsman? Who's the greatest Olympian, greatest boxer? Uh, something to fill the schedules, I guess. 
But our passage today, chapter 40 of Isaiah, verses 12 to 26, says, if you were going to play that game, who would you compare God with? Twice that question gets asked. To whom will you compare the Lord? Um, it's, it, it, this is not quite right, but imagine it's a bit like playing this sort of game. Uh, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest of these two? Is it Lewis Hamilton, the best great racing driver ever? Or is it Luke the toddler and his ride on? Which is the best? Well, can't really put them in the same category, I don't think. Or who's the greatest tennis player ever? Is it Roger Federer with his many Grand Slam titles? Or is it Sid the Squirrel? Who'd get your vote? Well, again, Sid has never hit a tennis ball. Uh, it's a great photo that someone's got of him holding some little bat, but it's not a tennis racket. It's just they're not the same category. Who are you going to compare the Lords to? There's no one, even remotely, like him. That is the subject of our passage tonight. Uh, the question gets asked twice, as I say, verse 18. With whom, then, will you compare God? Who can you compare him to? Verse 25. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. God is not a better version than us. He's not the greatest human. He's not like a bit like humans, but he's the BFG. You know, he's big and has got a, does things with dreams and has got his own little land to live in. No, 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 no. He's other. The Holy One, Isaiah's favourite title for God. Holy, other. You can't put him, compare him to anyone else. Now, we started looking at this chapter last week. We said it's written to a people who were broken, shattered, discouraged. They had been taken into exile in Babylon. So the, the, the land, Jerusalem and the surrounding lands of Judah, conquered, devastated, taken off, captive, uh, and living in exile in Babylon. And here is a word to comfort them. That's what God says. Chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people. You, you may be despairing, but well, verses 1 to 11, we looked at last time. I care deeply for you. And here today, verses 12 to 26, I'm powerful to help you. So the two go together. He cares deeply, 1 to 11. He's powerful to help, 12 to 26. So don't be discouraged. You can see what they were saying in verse 27 of chapter 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. He doesn't care. No, I care deeply. And I'm powerful to do something about it, says the Lord. So trust him. Yeah, this passage, the, the text today, it doesn't sort of I don't think it sort of, uh, progresses logically in thought. It circles around uh, similar ideas. But we're going to look at it like this. He alone created and he alone rules. OK, we just break through it like that. Uh, verses 12 to 20, he alone 
created. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12, four wonderful pictures. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales, the hills in a balance? Who's done that? Okay, so you and I will will form a little hollow of our hands, and I don't know, we'll get water from a tap, or uh, maybe dig it from a stream, uh, take it from a stream. Uh, In God's hands, he's got the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic, and the Indian, and the Arctic, and the South China Sea, and all the other seas, and all the other bodies of water across the planet, in his hands. Wow. He measures. He measures creation with his hands. You and I, occasionally you might measure something with our hands. We're putting up a shelf. Uh, okay, yeah, it's about that far, that side, about that far, that side. It's about the same, that sort of thing. God did that with the creation of the universe. Oh, he's got a basket. Uh, you and I don't hold baskets anymore. If we go to the, um, if we're forced to go shopping, we certainly don't touch a dirty basket with all its germs. Um, but if God had a shopping basket, he could put the earth in it. Or if he had a set of kitchen scales, he could weigh all the mountains and hills across the globe, every mountain range on them. Because he's different from you and us, you and me. He's completely, overwhelmingly powerful. Verses 13 to 14, he doesn't need anyone else's help. Verse 13, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Um, verse 14, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Most of us at the moment, we'd love great advice. We pray, Lord, show us what to do. I don't know what to do with my job, with my business. With, with, I don't know what to do to plan for the future. We'd love some advice or counsel. God never needs any. Who instructs him? I think in the flow of chapter 40 in particular, who instructs him on his plan of salvation? No one. No one does. In verse 15 to 17, compared to him, humanity is not very impressive. Verse 15, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. I know there may be some occasion every so often you and I will take a bucket of water from the kitchen perhaps to somewhere else outside or to do something, to wash a bicycle or something. And as we fill up a bucket of water and carry it outside, if a little bit drops over the side, we don't say, oh no, oh no, we've lost a drop of water. A drop in the scheme of a bucket is nothing. And the nations, they're like a drop in a bucket. The United Kingdom, just a little drop. USA, a drop, the Soviet Union, excuse me, Soviet Union, uh, Russia, a drop. They're nothing. China's on the rise. It's nothing compared to him. Similarly, they're dust on the scales. Islands, as though they were fine dust. Australia, Borneo, Greenland, they're just specks compared to him. Verse 16, slightly different point. 
Um, Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Uh, Lebanon, in the ancient world, was where the greatest of trees grew, bigger than the sort of Californian giant redwoods. They were the most magnificent trees. If you wanted to build a ship, you'd go to Lebanon. If you wanted great trees, you'd go to Lebanon. But even if you cut down every single tree in Lebanon and offered it, used it to make an offering to the Lord, it's pathetic. It's not worthy of Him. It's a bit like. Maybe the health secretary goes to visit Captain Tom, the good news story of the last fortnight uh, on our news every day as he raises a million, two million, whatever, 19 million, 20 odd million. Uh, extraordinary. The health secretary says, well, it's, you know, I, I had to come and visit you, Captain Tom, on your 100th birthday. And um, I'd like to give you something uh, by way of thanks. Um, oh, look, here's sort of a half-eaten pack of... Haribo. It's been in my pocket a couple of weeks. Um, there you go. Thank you very much uh, for raising all this money for the NHS and distracting people um, from sort of the government's uh, what we're doing. Well done, Captain Tom. Thank you very much indeed. Well, that will be viewed as dismissive, insulting. Even the very best that this world could offer. I mean, it's embarrassing to offer it to God. He's so great, so extraordinary. So verse 17, before him all the nations are as nothing. They're regarded by him as worthless, as less than nothing. Not that God views us as nothing, but compared to his greatness, we're nothing. The extraordinary thing is he cares deeply, even though compared to him we are. Specs, utterly insignificant. So the question is asked, verse 18, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, the metal worker casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold, a fashions, fashions silver chains for it, a person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. I mean, it's mocking. Compared to this God, you're going to make him into a little, a little thing, maybe wearing around your neck. It's pathetic. But you and I in the West, we're unlikely to manufacture or pay someone to make us a God and worship it. But I was struck reading a 20th century great A.W. Tozer on this. He puts it in these terms. Don't think that idolatry consists in only kneeling before visible objects of adoration and that civilised people are free from it. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. See what he's saying? can't say, well, I don't, I don't worship a gold thing. I don't worship something out of wood. Idolatry has nothing to do with me. As soon as you diminish God in your thinking, that's idolatry. Is this God of Isaiah 40, is he your God? He alone created. Similarly then, verses 21 to 26, he alone rules. 
verse 21. Great questions. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And it's people like grasshoppers. The circle of the earth, best understood as as the horizon, the, the bowl over the horizon. You get something very similar in Job 22. He's just different. He rules and we don't. Verse 22, he stretches out the heavens like a canopy, spreads them out like it tends to live. And we look at the sky and go, wow. We look at the universe and go, wow. We look through the Hubble. Well, personally, we get pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope and go, oh, extraordinary, the depths of the universe. And God says, well, it's a bit like um, just a little pop-up tent to me, to be honest. And no one can oppose him. I think is the main point of these verses. So verse 23, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. He brings princes to naught. Princes in Old Testament language, they're not ornamental, like Edward Wessex or, or, or William. They're the powerful, they're, they're the rulers, the elites, the, the, the prime ministers, the presidents. He brings them, or you could equally translate the verb, he appoints, same verb, same, you've got to choose your meaning. Uh, he appoints them to nothing. It's a striking way of phrasing things. Uh, prime Minister Boris Johnson. You know, famously, as a child, he wanted to be world king. Well, he hasn't managed that, but he's done pretty well uh, in terms of success in, in a worldly way. He's become prime minister. But God says, look, I've appointed you to nothing. Because compared to me, that's what this role is. It's as if, you think in these terms, it's as if God appears and says to Boris Johnson, I've got a very important role for you. Oh, good, good, he says. Um, yes, and, and lots of people will look up to you. Oh, well, that's marvellous, he says. Yeah, I'd like you to be in charge of all the staplers in the NHS. Just make sure that all the staplers have got staples in them. Well, that's an... That's a nothing job. That's not very important. No, says the Lord. No job is that important, to be honest with you, Boris, compared to me and my unstoppable plan over this creation. You think you're important? You'll be gone soon. All princes, no sooner they are planted, they disappear. Vladimir Putin thinks he's been in power a long time, but he has. Uh, he'll be gone soon. Gone. He is unstoppable. And so the question is asked again, verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? No one, Lord, will compare you to no one. You have no equal, Lord. So lift up your eyes and look to the heavens, and who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Look, I don't suppose anyone's been that bored yet in lockdown to go out at night and count all the stars in the sky. There, You can see a few more at the moment, despite light pollution in London. You can see a few more because it's less um, 
uh, fumes, etc., in the sky, and there's, there's less uh, 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 pollution in the atmosphere. But no one counts them all. I've uh, really enjoyed in lockdown, commend it to you. Uh, 13 Minutes to the Moon, a little podcast series the BBC has done, 10 parts, I think, um, going from 1961, Kennedy saying, we choose to go to the moon, uh, until 1969, uh, the moon landings with Apollo 11, uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin et al. And Michael Collins, don't forget him. Um, and um, it's great. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant series. Uh, halfway through or something like that, um, they've come to uh, the mission of Apollo 8 in 1968. And uh, Jim Lovell is uh, the astronaut commanding the lunar module. It's the first time that they circumnavigate the moon, go all the way around to the dark side of the moon and back, so a key stepping stone to actually landing on it. And uh, Jim Lovell at one point recalls the extraordinary truth, puts it in these terms. He's not a Christian man, but he says, I could put my thumb up to a window and completely hide the earth. I thought everything I've ever known is behind my thumb. In other words, humanity's tiny compared to the vastness of the universe, and God made it all, rules it all. To whom will you compare him? So what do you do? What do you do with that truth? Behold your God. No one, nothing compares to him. What do we do with that? How does that affect you? Well, in the flow of Isaiah 40, in context, again, Isaiah is writing to a broken and discouraged people and says, this is your God. He cares deeply for you. He alone is powerful to save you. Trust him. Trust him to save you. How can you despair when you have a God like this God? For those of us who are Christians, I guess the answer is we just forget who he is. Oh, and look, I know it's, it's harder to believe in this God, that he's uniquely powerful to save. It's harder to believe when the world is in chaos. It's harder to believe in this God who's uniquely powerful to save and cares deeply for you when your own life is in chaos. It feels as if it's in ruins. But behold your God. This is who he is. And we read these truths now and these promises now and we say, yeah, we've seen in part, we've seen this God when he walked the planet in Jesus Christ. And he had no one who needed to, no human who counselled him. You never see Jesus saying, I'm not sure what to do next. What do you think, Peter? What do you think, James? Quite the opposite. You see Jesus walking the planet with extraordinary power. And yet this God who came and walked the planet in Jesus Christ used his power to save in a completely unpredicted way. Well, unpredicted, the Old Testament has it, a completely unexpected way to the human mind. Because he says, I will die and rise again. That's how I'll save. And all his counsellors, the apostles, they say, don't do that. 
but he did. Behold your God. Despite being the all-powerful, unique one, he comes. Well, he cares so deeply for you that he'll endure hell to save you forever. He is unbelievably and uniquely powerful. So he's able to conquer death for you. This is your God. Trust him. Trust him to save you. Keep trusting him. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, you alone are a God who cares so very deeply for us. You alone are a God who is so powerful, unstoppable in achieving your plans. Father, would we look to you? Would we behold, look at, see our God and trust you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.